Hey, this is Pastor Nate Cook, and you're listening to Pontificating Pastors, a podcast where we lock two pastors in a room and just let them talk about anything and everything. My friend Michael Pig is a church planner in San Marcos, Texas, and I'm a traditional church pastor here in Midwest City, Oklahoma. Today on the podcast, Michael and I talk about hope in the midst of all that's going on in the world right now. We're calling this one the one where we wonder if hope floats. Yeah, I know, that's a bad movie reference. Wasn't that great of a movie anyway. But why don't you just sit back and relax and enjoy this episode of Pontificating Pastors. Hey Michael, how's it going this week? It's going well, Nate. How are you? I'm doing good. I had a good Father's Day. My brother was here. Not my father, but my brother. And we're both fathers, so we celebrated together. That was a lot of fun. We had a really good time. So, well, that's good. Yeah, that's good. He helped us lead worship too, which he's super talented. So that was fun. We don't get to play and sing together. I played bass on Sunday, uh, just because we didn't have a bassist, and I love to kind yeah. of play the bass and jump around, bounce around a little bit. I don't really jump, but and then Tyler was leading, so I had my brother, me, and Tyler all in the worship band. It was it was fun times and. Uh, then we got to spend the weekend with him and Beverly. So kids weren't here, his kids, but it was just the four adults kind of hanging out and my kids when they wanted to join us. So it was good. How was your Father's Day? It was good. Um, it, it was uneventful for the most part in our home. Uh, that wasn't uneventful for everybody. Um not all of my parishioners had an uneventful day. Some, yeah, I heard about that. Some trips to the emergency room and and things of that nature uh, happened while we were doing our live feed, and so uh, called the congregation of prayer for a young lady who was sick and had to go to the emergency room. And yeah, some fathers having to jump into action. Yeah, on Father's Day, one in particular, and uh, so that was. That was interesting, but uh, as far as our house goes, it was, um, was, you know, nap time. Yeah. And so that's good. Uh, my my kids are always like, Dad, what do you want for Father's Day? And I'm like, I want y'all to not spend any money, because <laughs> that was that would be. I think for most fathers that I know, that would be the the real treat is uh, that nobody spent any of his money. Yeah. Uh, or the family's money, or. This don't don't buy me anything, but my kids' idea of not buying me anything was to to buy me snacks. Yeah. And so I got a a basket full of snacks, and uh, because we are in quarantine, I uh, I've I have eaten them. Yeah, and I uh, it's I think I saw that one of your kids, maybe Judah, was trying to steal some, and you weren't having any of it. No, no, he said, and then he says to me, he had the audacity to say, well, Dad, I bought those for you so I could have them. Happy Father's Day. So I could Day. have those, yeah. I Happy bought Father's the kind Day. I, I got like. you those. <laughs> that's, that's how it goes. I, You know how many Father's Day gifts I've gotten over the years that the kids ended up with? Yeah, quite a seems, few. seems like that, that's, the, that's the way that goes. It's like Fred Flintstone used to buy Wilma a bowling ball for her birthday. Right. 
uh, yeah, because he needed a new bowling ball. Yeah, well, but, that's very thoughtful yeah. of him. I, uh, <laughs> I, I received a Mister Rogers. They're not really bobbleheads, but they're these little cute like uh, figurines that have giant heads and big eyeballs. You know what I'm talking about? I don't yeah. even know the name of them. Yeah, but I got one. I forget what they're called. And it's but got I got one. Mister Rogers holding Daniel the lion. And he's got his little oh, blue shoes on and his little red sweater. And he's that sitting right sweet. here on my desk as I'm talking to you. Does he say, now, Lloyd, don't you want to have a conversation with Daniel? No. Hello, hello Lloyd. <laughs> he doesn't. But I, no? I could okay. pretend. And then I got this okay. really cool life's journey, according to Mr. Rogers, which you were telling me before we got on here that you have. So I do. I have a copy of it. I, I like to peruse through it. Yeah, so it's good. It's a good read. I think it's uh it's pretty neat. I've got some books that I read every morning. One is some reflections, uh, journals of Henry. Uh, sorry, Thomas Merton. One is a Celtic prayer guide, which has some little wise sayings. And the, now I've added Mister Rogers, so I have things that I just think about in the mornings when I get up, and then yeah. I reflect. I, on I them. like. I like this. I like all those. Uh, thoughts I, I i like thomas merton in particular yeah uh, yeah his he, journals are a... interesting some of them are really powerful and then some of them i'm like dude dude was just uh he was off in philosophical mode today and i'm not really following him <laughs> yeah i don't i don't yeah that's the problem with reading a journal is that um some days you get these really deep thoughts that you know have been worked over and then some days you get the ones that are brand new yeah. and they haven't really formed into a, a cohesive idea or, a, or something that can be made practical. And I struggle when something is existential, but I don't know how to apply it. I then feel, uh, I feel like I have this information that I don't know what to do with. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, it's, you know, I, I remember as a teenager, listening to the Sunday sermon from time to time and thinking, well, those were pretty words. Right. But but I don't know what to do with them. What do I do with that? Um, yeah. And uh, I think, yeah, I think that's where sometimes I'm at with uh, Thomas Merton. On some days I'm just like, okay, that was a lot. And then other days it just pierces me right to the heart kind of stuff. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was just... I just felt this week like, um, you know, I think with everything going on, and last week we talked about kind of the systemic racism that our country is um, dealing with. It's been going on, but it's been brought to the forefront of everybody's attention. And then this COVID stuff, which seems to be resurging. I know it is in your area like mine. Um, Yeah. and I, I love that sometimes I see these memes or, or people post things like, this is the end of the world, Christians, wake up. And, and I think as <laughs> pastors, maybe maybe today we could just speak about that for a little bit because it's a, it's a common thing to see. Um, I always think about the old song um, by, I think it was R.E.M., it's the it's end. the end of the world as we know it. And I it's feel the fine. end of the world as we know it. And I feel fine. Yeah, I I, th- I think that maybe uh, 
the way that we we should probably think as Christians. But I also am not so sure that just because there's bad things happening in our lives and there's a lot of unrest and and seems to be upheaval, um, there's you know what we might call a modern day kind of plague that that means that we're closer somehow to the second coming than we've ever been. Because I think if you went back through history and did the, did the work, you could see there have been times where everybody thought the world was going to end. What do you think about that? How are you feeling about the end of the world? Oh, I just, my thought in terms of song that applies to that is that, I just want to point my finger and say, Ryan started the fire. <laughs> you know, um, yeah, um, because I don't want to take the blame for it. It was always burning. Uh, it was always burning since the world's been turning. Um, you know, the, and, and that idea that we didn't start the fire, that it's, uh, I think probably some of this feeling of woe is that we can't quite figure out who the villain is. Yeah. Um, and, and no one is willing to say, I'm the villain. Wow, yeah. And, and so uh, I think probably whenever we move to a place where we say, ah, it's the end of the world. See, God's had enough. Uh, what we, we really, as Christian people, shouldn't be going, yes, it's here. It's going to end. And we're so <laughs> glad that God has had enough. And he's sick of it. And he's going to end this thing. Because basically what we're saying is, uh, when God looked at, at creation, and he said, this is good that now he's decided it's not good anymore. You're going to wipe that, it all out and just keep keep the people that are his children like right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I, it feels kind of Thanos-like. It does. We kind of, it does. We're just waiting I, for I the said snap. That so, <laughs> I was playing a round of disc golf with a, with a pastor friend of mine the other day. And it was Joe Ibanez, as a matter of fact. And, um, and we had that conversation. Well... You know, we could just take the Thanos approach and snap it all out of existence because that's kind of where that conversation leads to. Yeah. That, and I think that was, you know, that was obviously the point that the Marvel writers were trying to make. And I mean, uh, I'm not sure, I, but I'm not sure that any any character in the Marvel universe had it completely right because there's always, you know, yeah. within that context, there's a myth of redemptive violence and oh, yeah. uh, all of the struggles that you have to come to and... And it seems like uh, whatever whatever we're moving towards, and maybe I've said this before, and I apologize if I have, but it seems to be the thought that I'm sort of stuck in is we're always looking for the the quickest answer, the quickest route, and I think efficiency is the enemy of intimacy, and I think we were created for intimacy, not efficiency. Yeah, I think we have said that before, but... You know, I've learned from preaching in a while, uh, for a while, that, man, just because you say it one week, sometimes we need to be reminded again in another week. <laughs> yeah, no lie. So it's not no like, lie. it could be uh, only two or three days later and we would have already forgotten some of the things uh, that we wanted to remember. So yeah, I think I think when we start talking about that idea of uh, the, the popularity in times like this of like the rapture talk and all of that, it really is like what it does is it it frees us of our responsibility to have to take any kind of responsibility for the world we're in because we just sure. we just say, well, OK, so God's going to come back and I'm just going to hold on here and and all this stuff's going to be fixed 
in an instant. So I don't have to do the hard work of reconciliation. I don't have to do the mm -hmm. hard work of, sure. of caring for my neighbor. I don't have to do the hard work of building community when it's not easy to build community and when we have to be separate. I, if, if God comes back, then, then it takes me off the hook. And now I have right. no responsibility other than to sit at home and binge watch Netflix during a pandemic until Christ comes back. Right. Uh, it's like, yeah, it's basically Moses's prayer there whenever he was dealing with all the woes of the people. And he said, if this is how this is going to go, just kill me now. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, you know, just I want out. How, how can I get out? Um, and and I think sometimes we treat salvation that way, just in the way that we approach talking about salvation is uh, all that matters is uh, that I'm saved. Yeah, that I've said whatever magic words need to be said, and now I'm saved, and I don't have to worry about, you know, eternity because mine is secured, and that it's just eternally is a, secure for some. Yeah, it's eternally secure, which is such a problem because all of that's very singular in its thought, and the the biblical narrative is written very plurally, right? Yeah, yeah, and so, and so. even. Even the Lord's Prayer. I found this old magazine. I, I was actually published in a journal years ago. Youth Worker Journal. doesn't exist anymore. And I was a volunteer youth <laughs> pastor, and they were asking for people to just write little blurbs. And I wrote this thing, and I'm yeah. like, I looked at it the other day, and I'm like, that's still pretty good. Because it was the idea of the Lord's Prayer is not a singular prayer. It's a communal prayer. It's, a I mean, it's our father. It's give us this day. It's the, all of the right. things that we hear. And so how many times have we turned it into my father? Give me this day, you know? Um, and I right. think that's exactly what you're talking about is um, if we can get some kind of personal assurance, um, then we can kind of bury our head in the sand with all this stuff going on yeah. in our world. We cannot care about our neighbor if we want to like, um, we, we may want to care about our neighbor, but it's not like something that's vitally important to our salvation even. Like it's, it's not connected to us in any way. And so I think, um, yeah, when we begin to understand that really what God wants, I think, is intimacy. And then we realize that God, that intimacy with God brings us to a place where now we are, we are relating to the one who created that other person. And so we begin to see God's heart for the other person and we begin to have to reconcile our views that don't match up with God's heart for the other person. Um, yeah. Then we begin to think about salvation is really turning us towards other people and not away from other people. And, and I think that whole narrative of, of let's just uh, declare that the prophecies are about to be fulfilled. Uh, and in every generation, these people exist. Um, I, I did this class on American cults and sex, and it always sounds like I'm saying the word for like <laughs> procreating, but S-E-C-T-S. And it was interesting how around the turn of the century, 1900s, many of these groups branched off because they thought the end of the world was imminent. And so they got out yeah. of the main, main line of Christianity and they kind of began to form these these communities and uh, it was a very it was a time that produced some really dangerous and strange beliefs to be honest um, but it all of it 
started with this same thing that we're dealing with now that I see um, uh, on internet posts and with people that I know, you know, well, the Lord's coming back soon. Um, well, yeah, but soon, what is soon to God? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I've been reading through um, Follow Me to Freedom. It's a book with John Perkins and Shane Claiborne. Okay. Um, uh, you know, John Perkins is a civil rights activist, marched with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And, uh, and of course, Shane Claiborne is a, a kid who grew up in Tennessee and lives in Philadelphia and wears dreads and makes his own clothes. And so two very different men. I mean, yeah, just as... Both uh, activists. Uh, yes, both activists, but... Um, not the kind of activists oftentimes that we think of that are always on the picket line, but two men who are dedicated to this idea that the greatest form of activism is to build relationships. Yeah. And um, I, re- I just remember this conversation that Shane had with, with John where um, he says, we've been doing this for like three years, and I don't know that we've seen any change. And uh, John says to Shane, uh, yeah, in about 10 or keep doing what you're doing. And in about 10 or 12 years, you'll see some change. Um, yeah. You know, so like just took and multiplied the number that Shane threw at him in discouragement and frustration and said, we've been doing this for three years. And John's like, you know, I just the, I can't imagine what that seemed like to John, except that he had, you know, he's been doing this for 40 plus years. Right. He's been doing this for 50 plus years. Um so yeah, he's been doing this for most of his life, and he's at somewhere north of seventy now. And so, um, yeah, I just that's a great. It's interesting. Point. We we just don't have uh, the stick to itness or something. Yeah, we you know, and we forget like, and I think I think this is evident in our praise songs. I think this is evident in our in our liturgies. Um, you know, in in North American Christianity, at least we we have a tendency to need a new song every every so often. Like we every you know, three I, I months. Need, yeah, if you don't get me a new song here, then I'm just going to consider you like the radio station that's overplayed it. Yeah, and and I can't worship to it anymore. But but you if you read the Psalms, written hundreds of years after the Exodus, this is what they're still praising God for. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, if you talk to a Jewish person today, they're going to talk about uh, the Exodus. They're going to talk about the historical things that are long since past, but they're still praising God for them. And they didn't experience them at all. Yeah. Like this this is a generational praise and a very communal attachment to where I've come from and who I am because of my ancestral line. Um, You know, it's, it's that great cloud of witnesses that Hebrews talks about. Right. speaks into worship for for you know a thousand generations yeah so i i was having a conversation last week we had both talked about some conversations we were going to have about racial reconciliation and one of the moments of my conversation that stuck out to me was uh when the man i was talking to said because uh, i had mentioned that i had kind of felt this sense that there were some people in the black community that were like hey if you white people aren't in this for the long haul we don't want you like, like, yeah. And, uh, and he said, yeah, he said, he said, I, I think you got to understand this, you know, this, he was talking about this long term thing that you got to be willing to lose some family and some friends over the issue. You got to be willing yeah. to, to keep doing it throughout your whole life. 
He's like, because, you know, when I walk into a store, I will always be a black man. I'm never going to be able to turn it on or turn it off. Like for you, you could turn this on and turn it off. You could be an activist one day and not be another day. And, you know, you could go to the rallies and have the picture for the gram or whatever, you know. And so I think that that's something that we have to look at, too, um, when we talk about the hard work and, and and this whole idea of escaping by some kind of rapture or whatever um, is really in some ways it's like, can I escape that anyway? Like, can I get out of the hard work? Like the, yeah. the lifetime of work that I'm called to. No. And so, uh, yeah, I think what we're saying here, I mean, it's it's resonating with me that you look at Joseph when he goes uh, and he knows he's going to die, but he's never going to see the promise. Right. And, and right. he's never going to be out of Egypt. You know, like he's he says, just bury my bones in the promised land. Like he's looking <laughs> on that long trek. Yeah. Right. He doesn't yeah. know how long it's going to be. And I can't even imagine in North America us ever thinking many of us don't ever think beyond this week, much less our lives. Like, are we building right. something for our children and our grandchildren? Now, maybe as we get older, we start to think that way. But but when we're younger, especially, I think many people are like, well, it's got to happen now. And, and and I think that's why so many times people give up, honestly, and they lose hope. And so today I wanted to talk a little bit about hope, too, uh, because I think it's in this understanding of the long term that that we can lose hope. So so what are your thoughts about how do we then keep hope? Um, Well, I was watching a television program that I I really like. Um, It's called The Mentalist. And I found it on one of our subscriptions and I said, I'm going to watch this. I almost and, uh, watched that yesterday for a new show. So, so are you recommending it? Oh, absolutely! It's so good. Okay. And there's this character, this this character, and she uh, she buys a wedding dress because she's going to get married, and the um, her her fiance uh, dies, uh, and so the the wedding doesn't happen, mm. and. Um, and and we're a season later, and somebody says something. She's sent in to talk to this person who is struggling, and and begins a conversation about I was you know I was I was engaged once, and uh, you know but he died, and, and well what did you what did you do? And she said, well I, I kept the wedding dress. I kept the wedding dress because I was afraid that if I got rid of it or destroyed it or whatever. Um, that I would forget what hope felt like. Mm. And I think the church just needs to hold on to its wedding dress. Yeah. I think, uh, I think, you know, sometimes we forget that we are the bride of Christ and he is expecting a glorious assembly and celebration and, and wants to give that to the bride that we're going, we're going to experience this wedding day in its fullness and the com- the coming of the kingdom of heaven, and I, I think we just need th- that imagery that we were handed uh, by scripture that Jesus gave us Himself. Um, I think we need to 
we need to really hold on to that uh, as though we are looking forward to. You know, um, young women in in some cultures, not all cultures, but uh, but in, in in a lot of cultures are given like a hope chest. Yeah. Like a, a place to keep the things that you will use. Right. Whenever you arrive at your wedding day, and so I think we probably need to, I think we probably need to be thinking about a hope chest. You know, a a place where we. Uh, that and that's what our liturgies are for is to be our hope chest you know that at the front of the, every sanctuary there's a there's this uh, an altar there that says do this in remembrance of me yeah. and so I think Eucharist is our is our hope I think we're supposed to lean on that it's very difficult right now uh, because we're in quarantine and we don't get to really celebrate it a lot of our hope chest yeah. is, is found in our togetherness you know, yep. and so we we don't have that. So how how do we do it? Um, you know, I I think our congregation has been very generous throughout this, and um, we've started a COVID relief fund so that if anybody in our congregation is in need, you know, because of in uh, financial need, they can't make ends meet. Maybe they can't work because of quarantine or whatever it is that. And we've been able to pay some mortgages. Not you know just mortgage payments, right? Not the whole not yeah. the whole mortgage, but we've been able to pay some mortgage payments in the in the midst of this, um, and I think that's one way we hold on to hope. Uh, I think we continue to celebrate. We stay in contact. We you know we take pictures of our babies and we send them around. I think some people seem to be using social media as a platform for hope, while some seem to be using social media as a platform for wickedness and yeah uh, and, and competition <laughs> yeah well I, yeah we, we call it division because that's what it that's what it turns out to be but i think we need to follow it back to its infancy and division really comes from uh you know this mentality of competition that says i'm going to put my jersey on you're going to put your jersey on and we're going to go to battle because there's only two sides of this issue yeah and there's no middle ground yeah a tie is like kissing your sister kind of a thing. You know, just have this this mentality where where a tie just seems like the worst thing that could ever happen to us. And certainly compromise is a bad thing. It, it, and, and we can't, so much so, I think if we had a politician out there who was brave enough to say, you know what, I messed up. Yeah. And, I, and there's the other side of this line is not the other side of this line. We're actually all on the same side here, and we're just working with variations on an answer. And this is not a final word. This is just a conversation on a journey that we're on together. And if somebody could talk that way and work that way, um, but I think everybody's so scared to death. If we talk that way, we're not going to get the votes we need. Right, you know, yeah. Uh, moderation is going to give away a bunch of votes. And... And it might, but it also might train a generation to be a little more gracious. But we're scared to death about training a generation to be gracious, gracious. Because if you're gracious, you're gonna let the guy steal third base. Right. And you're gonna, you know, you're you're not gonna try to pick him off. You're gonna still let him have it. You know. Well, I think I think you're hitting on some really good things. The the funny thing, I, you were talking about competition. I was laughing because um, this Father's Day we gave my father-in-law a game. And we opened up the game thinking it was one that he and his wife could play together because it's that code names game. I know you guys have been playing oh, that at your house, yeah. but it's called duet because code code names you ordinarily can't play two people. 
you have to have a reader and guesser right. at least. So you have to have at least four mm -hmm. people. So we decided we'd get him this one. Well, in Codenames Duet, it's you and the other person working together against the game. And so he's like, wait, I'm not against her. Like, I'm not trying to beat <laughs> her. And, and we're awesome. all like thrown for a loop because we don't know how to play a game that you're not <laughs> against somebody. And so I think, I think you're talking about some really, really good stuff. And this Sunday I preached about the two, two sides of the argument. And the third way that Jesus tends to take, I think is, is just telling a better story than either one of the sides. So, so like, you know, yeah. And, and we studied oh, yeah. Ruth, which is one of those better stories, but, but, um, yeah, just, so maybe we need to learn to tell some stories. Um, maybe we need to learn to be together in the ways we can, like you're saying to worship, to keep that hope chest. Um, I wanted to say, as you were saying that, because I wanted to make sure, and I think you answered it when you said paying off mortgages, but but it can be that those things that become symbols of hope keep us so heavenly minded that we're not of earthly good. So I'm glad you use something more than just like worship or, you know what I'm saying, like sometimes we sure. have these things that, that we look to, but they don't really have anything to do with like actually where we're living. And I'll just be honest, today I woke up and I, I was pretty hopeless. Um, I just, I've just, you know, things have worn on me a little bit and I've, I've tried sure. to wade into the, to learning and education about racial reconciliation. The deeper you get, the more you realize how painful and, and deep this thing goes and how will we ever find solutions, you know? And, and I think that's, that's where I was kind of this morning just, and then as far as, um, you know, this COVID thing just dragging on, we all hoped it would go away. And, you know, things that I'm, I'm hearing things become canceled again that we're going to go on. And um, I was supposed to speak at camp that's probably not going to happen now and all these things. And I'm just, you know, I think we get weary. And uh, I, needed, <laughs> I needed this conversation today because it, yeah. it always gives me a lot of hope. Um, Absolutely. To, to share with my brother in Christ who, who encourages me, you know? So I think, I think these kind of conversations are important and the ones we have that aren't recorded as well. But, um, yeah, I, I, I love the idea of, of having those anchoring points that we look to. For me, that's, you know, that morning practice of silence and solitude. Although I will admit like this morning, I was super distracted. Like I said, I wasn't very hopeful. I think I even wrote that in my journal. I just don't see a lot of hope. And, uh, and, and I know that even in the midst of that, that the confession of that is what God uses to, to help show us better stories, to help remind us that there is hope, um, to help remind us that there's something we can do. I think sometimes like in the midst of all this, what I tend to do is be like, okay, all this pain in the world is so overwhelming. I can't really do anything about it. So I just kind of want to shut down. Right. Um, yeah. And yeah. God continually will say to me, love the person in front of you. Cause that's, that's all you can yeah. do. And then when you're separated from people, then that means like your family a lot. <laughs> and, and I'm like, <laughs> but I want to be doing more than that right now. Like, I don't want to just be at home, you know, I want to, yeah. Uh, and so it's just really, it's been a really difficult day for me, to be honest. Um, and you're like, do you want to record? And I'm like, yeah, something will come out of this. Maybe if it's just that people know <laughs> that Nate's not always yeah. a happy-go-lucky guy. Because I tend to sure. tend to portray sure. that, I think, sometimes. But but um, I think that 
that loving the person in front of you is what I've come back to because like I can't change all the systemic changes overnight like we're talking about. Um, and then I love the other Shane Claiborne quote where he said, we set out to change the world and we realized we couldn't even change ourselves. And so then I think yeah. for us as Christians, we have to think about um, what is what is my role in trans allowing God to transform me so that I can even be a person who has hope to share. Right. So, sure. so I think there's a lot going on there, but I appreciate you being willing to talk to a hopeless guy today. <laughs> it just needed well, to hear you talk about hope maybe. Well, they say that, that hope floats, but that was a terrible movie. <laughs> um, I, uh, not I one really of Sandra didn't. Bullock's best. No, or Harry Connick's for that. Yeah, movie. yeah, Harry Connick Jr. That's he right. He was in that. Movie. Yeah, um, he's why I watched that movie, and you know, Shelley wanted to see it. And I was, I regretted the whole thing, but um, I, I do think that it's perseverance. I think perseverance is where hope is, and understanding the value and the meaning of that perseverance. The uh, you know, I saw, uh, yesterday's workout was killer. I don't know why. Shelly didn't seem to think so. But man, I woke up on Monday morning and I was tired and I didn't want to be there. <laughs> and I think it was hard because I didn't want to be there. Oh yeah, right? for sure. And so and so as it went, you know, I was trying to want to be there. And I remember we were having I had to run 5 laps. Like that was part of the the workout. Uh, and I say 5 laps. They were just down and backs. So they weren't like yeah, I get laps. you. Uh, but I had to run five down and backs before I could start the next part of my workout. Our, our trainer said, I'm going to interrupt. I'm going to give you an assignment. I want you to do the assignment. You have this many reps, and I want you to complete it. But every once in a while, I'm just going to interrupt. Um, you're going to hear me. I'm going to go, hoo hoo And then I'm going to give you another assignment, and you have to complete that one before you can go back to, to the first assignment. And, uh, and so she did that, and I was already tired. And then we had to run five down and backs in the middle of all this weightlifting and whatnot. And, oh, I was just exhausted and I was angry and I didn't want to be there. And I thought, you know what? I could either, I could, this next trip, I could just go to the car. Yeah. I could just, I could run to the car. Or better yet, like Brahms or something. Right. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, it was 530 in the morning, so there was nothing open. But um, I'm just kidding. I, I just, yeah, I just went... Like something in me said, when when things are hard, we don't quit, right? I just started hearing all of the, you know, uh, the things that have been quoted to me over the years about not quitting. I heard coaches screaming, and I heard my dad, and I heard my mom, and I, I heard, you know, and I'm looking at the people around me, and they, they're they pressing on. They look as tired as I do, but they're just pushing through. Right. Um, and I thought, what what a world we live in. And what can I learn here about perseverance? And I really sort of set my mind on perseverance in that moment. And it didn't make the running any easier. Yeah. But I started saying to myself, you know what? I'm going to I'm gonna take this next one for the kids. And so I ran the down and back. And I did it for my kids. And my kids were in my head. You know what? People in my church are struggling right now. You know, I was thinking about... Uh, uh, the the father of that little girl who went to the emergency room. I, I'm going to run this next one for him, and so I just started assigning purpose and meaning to what I was doing. And I know it didn't change anything, 
Right. Like it didn't help. It didn't help him. It didn't help the church. It didn't help my kids that I made that lap. Um, but whenever I started, but then I started the, the the process and the exercise was teaching me to do things with purpose. And when you assign purpose to things, and and help yourself uh, give meaning to it, I think you can hold on to hope a lot better. And and when we talk about the church, when we talk about paying people's mortgage payments, when we talk about um, getting up at 5.30 to do a workout in the first place is about staying healthy so that I live longer so that I and that I'm capable of, you know, engaging in relationship for a longer period of time. Um, and yeah. my health is, in, is, in, is intact when my grandchildren get here and I'm not a feeble person who can't interact with them. Right. And so I'm, those are the real reasons that I'm doing things. And so assigning that value and repeating that value, reminding one another of that value, is where hope really comes from, I think. Yeah, and I, I love the idea of perseverance because, you know, there is that scripture, and I don't have the reference off of the top of my head, but perseverance is what pre- produces hope in us. Um, and and on days like today, I know that sometimes you just have to get through and that tomorrow will be a new day. Um, and, and that there is, you know, no matter how much ill and how much bad there is in the world, Every good and righteous action adds to the good in the world. I really believe that. And um, you, can, you can help someone around you have sense love and encouragement and uh, sense of worth, uh, even if around you it feels like the world's kind of falling apart. So I appreciate that. And I'm, I'm thankful that that God gives us bigger perspective on the days where our perspective kind of gets narrow. Um, and, and part of that is conversations like this, like I said, for me. So yeah, I, uh, I'm, I'm glad that, that we get to do this on a regular basis again and, uh, appreciate you. I know that, um, my son is down there with you and he has a lot of respect for you. And, um, I think, him and some of my and my intern Noah, they watch your sermon and my sermon and compare and give us grades. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> they do, but they they, they definitely are are learning and growing um, from your ministry too. So I think we're you're always there's always more going on than we know too, and that's another thing to be hopeful yeah. for. You know, uh, my district superintendent uh, Jeffrey Johnson, he said he said to us the other day in a pastor's. Uh, collective um he said you're doing better than you think you are yeah and i think uh, i think you know that's important and i think uh, Brene brown says this thing uh she says d do you think that most people are doing the best they can right like when you address somebody do you think they're doing the best they can um and and be- between those two i i think uh the, that was the encouragement that I needed to hear is when I look at other people, they are doing the best they can. And when I, when I go to judge myself, um, I'm doing better than I think I am. Yeah. And, and those are, those are important things that, that, that grace, I think grace and hope are connected in ways that we just can't even. Oh, for sure. Really, really access. And so, yeah. And what, it, what would it look like this week if, uh, we approached everybody we met, and this is something I'll challenge myself to now that you've said that out loud. 
approach everybody that we meet as though they're doing the best they can. Not that they're out to get us or, you yeah. know, because so many times yeah. it's that same kind of rivalry and competition um, that, that erases kind of the hope we have in humanity. Um, yeah. I, I had to actually write it in my notes that I put online the other day yeah. and address it to the congregation in a message and just say, hey, uh, whatever it is that you think of me, because uh, uh, I assume that when you think of me, you're wondering how lazy I'm being today. <laughs> like I, I don't mean to think that way. I just assume that everybody is, is passing judgment on me in the same way that I'm passing judgment on me. And so uh, I just need to tell you all that when I think of you, I think of you fondly. When I think of you, I think of you uh, as doing as doing well. I think of you, uh, the, the parts and the aspects of, of your character and your personality that I love and appreciate. I don't sit around judging you. Yeah. I don't have the energy for that. And so I'm going to assume from now on that when you think of me, that you're, you're hoping the best for me and you're thinking of me fondly. Uh, because I, I just don't think it's healthy to sit around judging everyone and assuming that they're good for nothing. I think Jesus kind of said it pretty plainly. Uh, don't be, don't judge and you won't be judged or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I yeah. think a good place to wrap up today would be just, Hey, out there listening, you're doing better than you think you are. And the people around you are doing the best they can too. Yeah, they are. Seems like a good place to jump off. Hey, love you, man. Appreciate you. Especially on love the you. days when I'm not, doing as well i appreciate you even more probably so yeah you know um if i don't know if you've seen bruce almighty i uh, just watched it this week because noah well and tyler hadn't seen it then you know that or uh, tyler hadn't that, seen it that the at the end of that movie uh a lot of heart a little bit of hard work uh, goes a long way so I, I pray that you'll find redemption in the mowing of your lawn yeah yeah, I need to, and I will. <laughs> Thank you for that. And we'll see you next week. Take care. All right, you too. Hey, thanks again for listening to Pontificating Pastors. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or Anchor or any one of the other platforms. We hope you have a great week.